Hello again, this is Charlie Belfontaine, and you're listening to the Home Buyers Hour on WCPT AM 820. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this Saturday morning. And if you're watching live, well, thank you, too. You know, so anybody wants to rehear anything that we say, if you do a search on YouTube or Facebook about the Home Buyers Hour, you'll be happy to see our podcast. And you can also, any podcast provider will have it as well. But I'd like to go ahead and introduce the people that are in the studio with me. Patrick Loftus, he's my favorite attorney. Don't tell the other ones. But Patrick, tell everybody why you're my favorite and how do people get hold of you. Good morning, Patrick Loftus, Loftus Law. I like it when people find me on social media because calls and text messages from weird numbers, it stresses me out, man. Um, on Instagram, find me Loftus underscore law and on TikTok at Loftus Law. Why am I your favorite? Because I'm the only lawyer you know with this haircut. Oh, that's not true. I actually do know another one with a cool looking man bun. And I'll never put right. a man bun in there. All mm. right. I just don't have the hair to make it. I got it. I don't like that. The question <laughs> is who had the man bun first? This is a good question. Um, I don't know the answer. I don't know who he's talking about. So. <laughs> Patrick had the man bun burned. So, and the man. man with the questions is Matthew Thomas. Matthew, if you don't mind, tell us about you, your brokerage, and why today you are my favorite real estate broker. Hey, I appreciate it. I'll take the spotlight for the day. Yeah. Uh, my name is Matt Thomas. I, I'm a real estate agent with Baird & Warner Real Estate here in Chicago. I got into real estate uh, January 2018. I left my corporate sales job and decided to go full-time and haven't looked back since. Today, I think I'm sitting here just because, uh, well, A, you gentlemen are wonderful to have breakfast and coffee with, so Yay. shout out to you. But I think uh, we have similar thoughts on the industry and how to do good business in this industry. And also, we're at sort of a, a moment where there's lots of change, not so positive mm. change if we think about things going on with hacks and, and all sorts of craziness in our world. But uh, it's a good time to have a conversation with some people that have level heads through it all. No, I like to hear that a lot. And, yeah, I just wish more and more people would realize the who the most important person in the room is. And it's not any one of us. None of All us. All right, no. <laughs> Put your finger down, Patrick. It's not you either. All right, the most important person is, is going to be our clients. And once we realize that, then we're all going to become good professionals. And my favorite mortgage person, and Joey, I always like to get an update on what's going on. I was doing a little bit of research, and please tell me if I'm right or wrong, but this is the fourth week in a row that interest rates have dropped. Is that true? Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not muted. Gay. Great, great, great. So, uh, fourth week in a row that... <laughs> so we catch yeah, I know. Yeah, we, I think I threw yeah. a curveball in him right out the get-go. No, no, you, you did it. So he's on the show. <laughs> usually, I, I get usually I get some nasty uh, echo in my uh, headphones when I'm talking, but I didn't, so I thought I was muted, but I wasn't. Very odd. Anyway, apparently my headphones are working properly today. Um, so yeah, so the ten-year uh, treasury has been dropping for about four, five weeks now. Uh, so as that has dropped, the yields. I'm sorry, the mortgage rates have dropped. MBS uh, mortgage-backed securities continue to rise when mortgage-backed security prices rise or costs rise, rates come down, right? So uh, we are, for the first time since September 14th, uh, at a yield of four point, under 4.3% 4 on the 10-year treasury. And of course, there is the relationship between the treasury and mortgages. The typical relationship over time has always been at about 2%. However, of late, the last three years, we'll call it COVID, there's been about a 3% yield. So if we are showing a 4.2% yield in the treasury and the current uh, delta is 3% between the yield and what you would expect the mortgage rate to be on a 30-year, you you'd be looking at seven and a quarter read area on conventional which is significantly lower than we were just a month a month and a half ago when we were uh it's almost we, a we full were definitely point. into the eights yeah. yes yes yeah, it I think is. it's so almost it's like 90 nice. bases right it's uh yes huh. it, it, it is yeah basis points so a basis point is uh 100 basis points equals one percent so you know, Thank you. You know, that's always there you go. always my little pet peeve is when we start talking, you know, lingo or jargon, 
where it comes in there and we don't make it sh the people understand. It's just 100 bips, man. 100 what? bips. Come on. It's just 100 bips, baby. <laughs> Come on, keep Come on. Here's, here's <laughs> another interesting stat. Mortgage applications to purchase a home increased 5% for the week, but we're still 19% lower than the same week one year ago. Now, I get it. Last year and the year before was just stupidly crazy. Ridiculous. Right. I think Ridiculous. the activity last year was through the roof. I actually was just looking at market time. And if you go back to last winter, which is what we're heading into, yeah. market time didn't move at all from the fall through the winter into the spring. It hovered at 14 days for most neighborhoods. Yeah, that's unusual. So normally days. we're seeing wow. close to you know 40 days or we're seeing close yeah. to 60 days in some neighborhoods and it just didn't move. No, and so yeah. now we're heading into winter and everyone goes, well, isn't it going to be slower? Not if we're using last year as a gauge, right? And even though activity mm -hmm. is down, every slight tick down that interest rate takes, my phone starts ringing more, right? Yep. More that showing requests, more offers made. It makes sense. I mean, and just just to, to give people sort of a, a basis for that, <coughs> traditionally, hello, bless you. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Traditionally, uh, when you talk about market time, it shrinks during the, uh, the spring summer period and it expands during uh, the fall winter period. Um, so when Matt talks about uh, market time staying absolutely steady during that time when we expect it to expand, that's a signal of increased activity. Um, you know, so e even the fact that it, it, it could have just expanded less than average, but no, it, it didn't do anything. So yeah, it was like a flat line, which is crazy. We just don't normally see that with winter. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting winter. It will be. And, and I'm actually excited for next year. Yeah, I mean, you always get the naysayers that talk about the big old bubble. You know, sooner or later, maybe, I don't know, but there's still a low demand. <laughs> not, that... I mean, not in Chicago. I mean, we're slow and steady here, man. And, you know, that's to our benefit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, anyone who's who's trying to buy a home to live in and, you know, become, uh, you know, crazy wealthy off of it, you know, it's 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 not as likely as, as if you were on one of the coasts, right? But, you know, the the fast expansion also comes with the consequence of contraction uh, from time to time. So, you know, take our, our favorite, um, you know, our favorite state that everyone loves to hate on Florida. Um, you know, they're very boom and bust. And, you know, right now they're struggling with all sorts of um, things. And, you know, that's a conversation we can get into some other time, but um, here we're, we're slow and steady and, you know, people by and large are still working. Um, yeah. You know, that oh. makes a lot of sense. I see the roller coaster isn't as high here, and then I listen to people in California, and their ups and downs are crazy. Yeah, you know? it's 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 just a different market, um, you, you know, entirely. And and of course, you know, you, you you can't really talk about California as a real estate market any more than you can talk about Illinois as one real estate market, right? Gotcha. I mean, you know, if you if you go down, well, to, Chicago is its own separate beast from the rest of Illinois too. I mean, I mean even the seventy-eight neighborhoods, and then you have the seventy-eight. And oh, by the way, we have all the nicknames for those neighborhoods. We have to break out too. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, the, the creatively, you know, nobody the, ever knows what you're talking about. <laughs> I think we're in Gladstone Park right now. That's, I only know that from the banners when I drove over here, I, I could see. I don't know. We might be in Northwest uh, Jefferson Park, depending on which uh, real estate broker you talk to. You know, you, oh, I'm in West Bucktown. Wait, isn't this Humboldt Park? You uh, be quiet. Just try telling someone the difference between Irving Park and Old Irving and wait for the debate that follows. Oh, I, boy. I, I, don't even, I, didn't, I didn't know there was. So I was I ready for someone to call me out when I said 78 neighborhoods. I go, wait a minute, there's only 77. Hey, I'm giving you that one because you know? the 78th is being built, and I yep. have confidence they'll finish that. Lincoln Slowly Yards, sure. exactly. Well, That's where I'm going. I, I thought 78 was the one down on the river There's uh, two. So you me. could make an argument that Lincoln Yards is its own neighborhood, which yeah. theoretically, if it comes to fruition, it will be. But the 78 is its own development project, which is on the south side, oh, right on the south right. bank of the, yeah. the river there. Yeah, that's um, the one I was thinking of. And so they already started with the rebuilding, which I think is the first building technically of the 78 project. Yeah. Um, there's a massive vision for that, uh, which is years and years to come. But Yeah, the um, the connection of um, uh, Wells and what's the other W1 um, that goes uh, by? Wabash? You... No, no, it goes by Sox Park, which now I'm going to oh, get roasted uh... by my friends who uh, know I'm a Sox fan. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, so... Anyways, it, I got ammunition you. now. Good thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, so they're, they're connecting, you know, basically Chinatown with the South Loop. Yeah, they got to uh, do the ferries, right? The, well, the... I mean, they're literally. Um, um, why am I trying to blank on this? They're they're connecting um, 
basically, uh, where is it? The Roosevelt Collection. Uh, you'll now be able to go underneath Roosevelt, just between Roosevelt Connect, Connect Collection and the river, um, which mm. before there, uh, that was a dead end. So they're they're building out that connection, which is going to be nice to have another north-south to get places mm -hmm. uh, due south because, you know, right now it's basically State Street. It's tough. No lies. So when I look for guests that come on the show, one of the hardest, I think, questions that I ask people is going to be, why choose you? What makes you unique? What's different? You know, why should I work with you? And I asked you that question this morning. And you came back and, and talked about giving, and you talked about um, Habitat for Humanity, mm -hmm. which I think is a fantastic organization. But please, if you don't mind, expound on that. Tell me what you know. You do as a, a Berkshire Hathaway, what you do with the program, how you get people involved. You know, what do you do to contribute to that organization? How does it work? Baird and Warner. It's all right. I didn't take it what personally. What did I say? Berkshire Hathaway, but that's okay. I apologize. Okay. I meant the, w, yeah, I meant Baird and Warner. There's a whole bunch of Unbelievable, there. Charlie. You I know, am bad. The, the truth of the matter is I, it, whether well, Berkshire could get involved too because Habitat needs as much help as they can get. Yeah. So, I mean, functionally what Calling it is you out, is you're giving. Yeah, that's right, Berkshire. <laughs> Come on, step up. What are your numbers? So if you look at Habitat here, uh, their whole goal is to make affordable housing, right, or really to give housing housing to the people most in need of it, people who don't have it. So they're building all around Chicagoland, and they're picking strategically neighborhoods that have really bad problems with housing. And you could tick that apart however you want. They either have high vacancy, they might have a high percentage of properties owned by Cook County that have just been foreclosed on and are sitting there vacant. Um, they might have empty lots, right? And so what Habitat is doing in these communities is actually starting with the housing problem first. And so they'll take entire blocks and build 10, 15, 20 homes, depending on how much space they can get. These are usually three to four bedroom homes. They have a garage. They have a yard space. It's meant to give a family a space to start. Now, when that family takes the house, do they own that house? Yes, they're getting ownership of that house. It's not a rental situation. It's not a leasehold situation. So Habitat is partnering with these families, delivering the home for them, and they become the owner of the home. Well, um, okay, let me go criminal, Charlie, here. Oh, All right. No. Sorry. But what happens if somebody moves in that house and then they go, okay, thank you, and then they go and sell it? You know, for a half a million you know, I, dollars I, or whatever. I, I won't get into the T's and C's of Habitat and how they hold those people to their agreements. I but, can tell okay. you. Yeah, Please. if you happen to know. Yeah, I, I don't know specifically, but there are ways of dealing with that. Um, specifically, the way, you know, the simplest way I can think of is through a deed restriction. Um, so, for example, uh, the, I, I don't work, I've not worked directly in a legal capacity with Habitat, but um, I've worked on... Transactions, say for example, where uh, someone is buying a bank-owned property, typically with those, they're going to prefer offers from owner people who are uh, going to be owner occupants as opposed to investors. Um, now, in order to kind of do a, a reality check or, or whatever to, to prevent someone from, uh, you know, being dishonest on that, yeah. you, you can put on the deed. Um, something to the effect of, you know, this property can't get reconveyed for some period of time. Um, with, okay. with those, with bank owned, you usually see, you know, six months a year, you know, perhaps. Um, and there's other kind of deed restrictions that, that you could. I mean, I, I would imagine, you know, it, it might be the, 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 another way they might set it up is sort of how like Ida does it, where um, I was just thinking it's probably very similar to how Ida yeah. or Section 8 vouchers or where you have some kind of uh, process where you have to get approved and then meet certain standards of requirements. And yeah. yeah. So, so, the, so with Ida, IHDA, Illinois Housing Development Authority, um, they have programs where they provide housing assistance. Uh, the way I usually see it is through. Uh, down payment assistance and, and Joey jump in here um, you know more about those programs than than any else any of the rest of us in the studio um, but you know anyways not to sidetrack us too much uh, into into a different topic but uh, you know Charlie had a question about this I felt like I had an answer yeah uh, please by all means <laughs> continue I, I, I enjoy hearing about this because I've got some some things I want to you know throw in, into the mix exactly yeah. and I want Joey to chime in a little bit too and enjoy so hear hear what he's saying about habitat for humanity but i also had a friend of mine post on facebook and yes i'm an old guy that's <laughs> still on facebook so and he so put up I. there a meme that said that we should be making sure that every one of our veterans is housed before yeah. we do one refugee all right mm 
Mm. And mm. I agree don't with half me, of that. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that too. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. But the that the program exists. All yeah. right, Joey, yeah. are you familiar with housing for our veterans and the programs that the VA does for them? And they have vouchers uh, too, right? So Ida used to have a program <clears throat> that was called Welcome Home Heroes, but it got discontinued like uh, 11 oh, years ago. That's right. I forget. Yeah. So that's, that's the only one that I am even familiar with, honestly, with how amazing the VA loan is on its own. Yeah. Um, you can still combine it with Ida um, and move forward and, and have, you know, closing costs covered. Is that always going to be of the best benefit for the veteran? Not, not necessarily. Uh, I like to look at all sorts of options. And if Ida is the option we go with, that's the option we go with. Right. Um, but yeah, there's there the, the, the the Welcome Home Heroes program is awesome. I mean, they offered $10,000 on a two-year recovery period, which means that if you sell a refinance inside of two years, I'm sorry, a forgivable period, if you sell a refinance within that two years, you would have to pay the prorated amount back based on the time that you closed and the time that you sold a refinance. Um, that's still the case with the IDA programs. However, they have started to offer lower rates, but they expanded the timeline. They're up to 10 years on these grants, or, or these second mortgages, we should call them, because they do file as a lien. Um, but because of the lower rates that Ida is now offering, the ability to have that 10 years locked in, is it, it's not terrible. And, and the other piece here is with these programs, if you did refinance, if you did a rate term refinance where you're not taking equity out of the property, you can pay off Ida and not have to deal with the cash out refinance, uh, the the low level pricing adjustment. So rates are usually going to be higher on a cash out refinance than on a rate term refinance, okay? So when you're refinancing and you're and you're paying off Ida and you're paying off your first mortgage, it's still rate term refinance pricing, so generally friendlier. I went on a tangent and I'm sorry, we were no, talking something about veterans, refugees, I don't yeah. know. We're somewhere. No, you know, it's funny cuz for me maybe my brain is just clicking in real estate thought, but when I hear these programs, they're solving the two sides of the fundamental problem. One is mm -hmm. I don't have access to the funds to get housing, mm -hmm. which is what the veterans loan or Ida or any of those programs are aimed at. Habitat for Humanity is focused on the secondary problem, which is there is not suitable housing, even if I could find funds or access to get it. It doesn't yes. exist. Right. And Fact. so that's where Habitat steps in, right? They're going into West Pullman where the state of condition of housing is unacceptable in many, in many locations, building brand new homes that meet all building requirements for the city of Chicago. They're nothing overly luxury, but they're nice quality, and they were meant to last. They'll serve a family. And safely serve a family right? and in a depressed neighborhood that that helps everybody it's huge it only brings the value up when you have an entire block that's been redone it doesn't matter how the families got in there or what aid they were able to get in with the state of the neighborhood is improving because we're taking those dilapidated buildings out those empty lots full of trash out and putting in housing that's feeding the community or serving a need in the community. So that's where, you know, separate, and I, I won't over speak on what I know about Habitat and how they, they review applications for how people get in, but how they're functionally changing the problem is they're building homes in areas where nobody else is and yeah. where those people have no access to them. Yeah, the problem they're solving is that it's, it's not profitable to build a home in in certain places, okay. Mm -hmm. So if if the cost of the the, the just the, the cost of building, right, the materials, the uh, you know the the time, materials, the work, all that, if yeah. all of that ends up being more than what you can sell it for, no housing will will be built there. And so yeah, an organization like Habitat steps in now, uh, which is awesome, right? Um, now you know, to my opinion. A, the, an organization with even bigger pockets called, you know, the state or federal government really should be d doing more to, to help with that. And, you know, for example, the city of Chicago really should be, you know, bending over backwards to, to make it as inexpensive as possible uh, to build homes in these communities. Well, for and, and, They are. I'm going to defend the city a little bit. There's a can. lot of TIF districts that come in there. You know, I, I go into Lawndale, for example, and that's another neighborhood that I think it just spun around yeah. 180 degrees. And I've gone in there for new construction left and right. I mean, they're they're building houses down there, blocks of homes. They don't even have gas to them. You know, everything is solar powered, mm -hmm. super efficiency. You know, everything's electric inside there. They put Mitsubishi heat pumps in there. I mean, these homes are beautiful. 
And then the whole district, they put movie theaters, shopping district. The city of Chicago is spending a lot of stuff on the infrastructure, making it a, a great neighborhood. I mean, that, that's great. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think more can be done. You know, why does it cost? What does it cost to get a bil building uh, a permit here here in the city? It's not cheap. It's, yeah. it's thousands of dollars. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's thousands of dollars even to get a permit to replace your um, your your lead water service. You know, it's like well, it's like there's there's a reason for that because they're responsible for the street, and they have to cut a hole in the street, dig it down, disconnect the old lead water line, put in the new copper water line, and then somebody's got to fix the curbs, the streets, and everything else. That's all included in that permit fee. Uh-huh. Right. So. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. And I know what that means. But, but, no, but what? I don't know if we can use that word. <laughs> we just did, um, you know? Jeez Louise. Yeah, I'm throwing it right back <laughs> at you. you, you that's the most activated I've seen Charlie yeah, in a while. You done did it. But no, I love it. Look, <laughs> that's all fine and dandy, but we're, we also pay taxes. We pay all kind of taxes. And yeah. so... You know, to say that uh, we're going to put that on the individual homeowner, I think, is it's not really addressing the issue, which is affordability of, you know, these particular permits. So if I'm trying to build, let's say I want to go into West Pullman, or I want to go into Englewood, and I, and I want to build a home, and I want to sell it to somebody for a market price, and I, and I, and I want to be able to at least break even. And, you know, what, what could the city do to help? The city could say, well, you know, we're going to, we're we're gonna grease the uh, the skids here for you, and you know we're we're gonna discount or, or maybe even you know waive waive fees for for building permits, these kinds of things. I mean, you know, why why should it be left to an organization like Habitat for Humanity, which you know God bless them for for what they're doing, but you know that that can be done on much larger scale. And you yeah. know why isn't it you know for but I but I reasons. think it is, Patrick. You know that knowledge is power. All right, and the more we know. <laughs> the more power we have. And these programs do exist. It's finding out about them is kind of the hard part. They're not advertised. That much well, that's I know. that's definitely true. You need to figure out access yeah. to them on a broader scale. But you know, why, you why does the information in. come to us? And I, as mm. much as I love to be a, a speaker box for Habitat or for, for Ida or for any of these programs, but I just... Uh, I struggle with the fact that sometimes I am the first person to make someone aware of that because I, you know... How, how realistic is it that I can spread the good word of these programs to everybody? Well, just like uh, what Patrick know. mentioned with the lead service line. That's part of the Biden infrastructure plan. Yeah, it is. And yeah. Chicago's part of that. All of it, In fact, the whole country is part of it, you know? Oh, yeah, I notice. And well, everything you, is If you've driven around Chicago, you definitely feel the infrastructure yeah, plan and, right now. <laughs> and I live up in Wilmette, and there's a—it's it's GIS, and if any one of you guys know what that stands for, um, but I think it's government— infrastructure something or other like that but the GS, gis map will show every single house that has a copper water line mm -hmm. and a lead water line so they're taking inventory now so that they could go ahead and get these grants to get the all these things taken care of you know so i have my interviews with clients when after the inspection and that's always a big concern mm -hmm. is somebody with lead water so that's where you explain to them about the the alkalytic and and the lead phosphate but more importantly you know, hey, there's a program that's coming. I mean, anything right. can get squashed. You know, the leadership could change in the country. I get all that stuff. But anyway, I'm stealing thunder, and but, I want to get back to But let me elaborate really quick on what you just said. So yeah. there's a program that exists. Let me tell you how to access it. Get on your phone, download the 311 app, and you yeah. can order. Oh, yeah. You can yeah. order a lead. Say that again. The 311 app. Don't yeah. call 311. You will be lost in a phone tree <laughs> that you'll never get out of. Get out of. It, <laughs> it's like a, they still have an operator in a room. Like, you know. I don't know what they're it's doing. Ridiculous. I don't know what they're doing. But get the app. Get the app. You can order not only uh, a, a, a free test to, to see. So, what Charlie just said is that. The water department adds phosphates to the water, which creates a barrier between the lead and your water, mm -hmm. which solves the problem of having lead in your water mm -hmm. when you have lead water lines uh, bringing water to your home. Uh, but, you know, it's it's understandable if you don't quite believe that. Okay, fine. Fair enough. I, I, I don't know if I have uh, lead in my water. I mean, I, I do because my, my place was built in, uh, in 2005. But... Um, get a free test from the city mm -hmm. and you can even get filters for mm -hmm. uh the lead that you can install on your fixtures and, and i believe that's also something you can get through 311 so yes there's a program for that and that's how you access it so you know 
for the tens of people listening, you know, you're welcome. Patrick, how do people get hold of you <laughs> if they want to find out more about this? The 311 app. No, not the 311 <laughs> app. Um, that would be, I mean, good luck. I mean, that'd be interesting. Find me on social media. We're going to hack that app. I'm getting you on there. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. And we're going to talk about hacking in just a moment because no Joey right. is just, he is frothing at the mouth on this one. <laughs> Find me on Instagram, Loftus underscore law. I hear you. I hear you. We'll get to you, Joey. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> on, it, uh, on what? On TikTok at Loftus law. Loftus, by the way, is spelled L O F like Frank. T like Tom, U S like Sam, in case you're listening and not watching. Sounds good, Joey, please. Yeah, uh, Joey Matthews, NMLS 1330694, since I failed to mention that again. Uh, the VA Loan Nerd, you can find me at thevalonenerd.com. You can find me across all my socials as at the VA Loan Nerd. You can call or text me at 630-235-2405. And, and Matthew, please, how do they get hold of you? Oh, I'm an easy one. Matt Thomas Real Estate. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok. Uh, it's Matt, uh, M-A-T-T, and Thomas is the third T. Three T's right in the middle there. And so. be, be careful finding him on TikTok. He has got got some uh, couple of imitators. I, I, one of his imposters tried to catfish me. So, I mean, he must be an important guy if people are trying to, uh, you know. What comes with the social following is other people trying to steal that social following. So, that is amazing. So you almost Matt need Thomas, a full-time crew. If, yeah. if Matt Thomas tries to reach out to you about crypto i don't sell crypto it's not him yep it's not yep. him i'm not offering any program where you should give me any money right now it's so. wild i <laughs> love it and then throwing out my plug i own my name is charlie belfontaine and i own chicagoland home inspectors our website is www.thehomeinspectors that's plural ors and it is a com we also own home inspection university of illinois that website is www.hiuil.com and if you're interested in learning more or joining the home inspection profession, please reach out. My phone number is 312-544-9180. And Patrick, you brought up the subject of house hacking. Well, not exactly. Um, what, I, what I was meaning to segue into is that uh, Fidelity, which is the parent company of Chicago Title, Fidelity National oh, Title, a number of other title mm. companies, we're talking about 40%. Uh, if their numbers are to be believed of the closings taking place uh, it's a each huge year, market share forty yeah. percent. This company has been uh, has been targeted with a ransomware attack. Their systems have been down for I believe over a week now. They're shut down. They're they they shut actually benefited down. from the holiday, I think, because they didn't have closings on Thursday. They didn't have closings right. on Friday. They yeah. had some time to try and figure it out. And still, Monday, Tuesday, didn't turn it back on. So. No, they are being absolute. So, this this is a major problem. Joey, tell us, tell us, you're you're the one who's got boots on the ground as far as you know, working very closely with title companies. What's what's going on over there? Yeah, so uh, we have put on hold any closings that are happening under the umbrella of Fidelity or Chicago. Or, yeah, yeah, under Fidelity. So, what is happening is a lot of. Cancel title orders, moving over to new title companies. So your closings are going to be delayed like a week if that's the case. But I mean, it's potentially okay, it's a shorter the end time. Of the world. No, you know? I, well, well, you got to go back into underwriting. Yeah, clear. It, it might be if, the, it, it, it might be a major problem for you if you if you had everything set up, your move, your everything set up for movers this yeah. financially. Yeah, everything is you know. It's not, also the end of the month. How many people are coming up on a lease end, yeah. or how many people have art? Yeah, so, it's, so not not the end of the world, but you know some major problems for forty percent of the transactions that were meant to close within yeah. this time frame. It's amazing. I guess I'm way out of the loop at the tail end of the transaction i mean on the beginning one joey sorry i interrupted no it's fine i mean but files are also going to have to go back into underwriting for an update yeah. to clear to close because now we have entirely two new title docs oh my god i didn't even thought about this but uh <laughs> title invoices like there's we we have uh respa uh real estate settlement procedures act rules that we have to follow where now we have disclosed certain title fees that those are going to change if they change by an aggregate amount of 10 percent or more then the the banks are on on, on the hook for the overage mm -hmm. if there's an overage mm -hmm. so there's there's a lot of things going on man yeah it's, it's well pretty and hey, yeah. here's the thing that, that it concerns me they seem to believe truly and sincerely fidelity from what they're putting out seems to believe they're going to solve 
what's happening to them. They would have already solved it if uh, it was I, easy. I, I mean, how yeah. many of these ransomware attacks have you ever seen that don't end with somebody paying the ransom? Well, well I have seen one that didn't pay the ransom. They shut down. Yeah. I All mean, right. This is a legitimate thing. And then you want me going off on a tangent? Yeah. This is where I want my federal Kinda. government to jump in. Do it. <laughs> All right. This is where we need to be protected. You know, citizens, it's just like our military. You know, I don't want some other country coming in here, taking over the United States of America, but they're doing it. They're doing it to our businesses. And yes, we need protection. All of us. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it, I'm off my rant. Nah, Charlie, you bring, up a, you bring up a good point, you know, and, and now, you know, we can get into questions about net neutrality and, you know, how much influence do we want the government to have in the free flow of information? Um, you know, there, that's a debate that a you know, we things, don't have time yeah. for, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, I, it's not being, I think, widely enough disseminated just how disruptive uh, this this whole situation is for Chicago Tidal. And the, at the bare minimum, if, if their plan is to eventually pay these folks, they've got to close the back door mm -hmm. that these folks got into before they do that. I don't suppose that is a simple thing to do. So... I don't know when this is going to get resolved. Maybe, maybe by the time we walk out of here, uh, I'll have a, a, a message from uh, the the title rep at the title company I use, who is under the uh, Fidelity umbrella. And yeah, I may have to be moving some files to uh, some some other place. But um, it could also drag on another another week, two weeks. Who who knows? Well, what are you going to do as, as an attorney for your client? How are you going to protect your client? What advice can you give other attorneys? What action should you be taking? That's and Joey, you get ready. And same thing, Matthew, you get ready. I'm coming back at you two with the same question. It's a, it is a great question because, at, you know, at first blush, you go, look, you know, my, my, my first reaction is to put out any fires this has caused, right? I got to move files from, you know, one title company to the other. Joey's got to go through all sorts of compliance uh, in connection with that. But going forward, really going forward, I think is even the more, uh, an inquiry that requires more thought because how am I going to advise my client if they say, hey, you know, I heard this thing happen with uh, Fidelity, Chicago Title, whatever. And by the way, Chicago Title, we're sitting here in Chicago. Chicago Title is a national brand. You can go to California, uh, Texas, you know, all sorts of places and close at a Chicago They're Title. So, um, you know, let's 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 not, you know, make the mistake of thinking that's local. But going forward, how what what am I going to respond to my client when they ask, hey, do you order title through Chicago Title? And I'm going to say, no, but, you know, the title company I typically order from is under the Fidelity umbrella. And they're going to go, Hey, there was a data breach, and you know, and we don't know what that. What we do know, and, and what has been disclosed, is that there has been some customer data that has escaped. Yeah, <laughs> not on its own. <laughs> it was assisted, uh, you know, by the hackers uh, entirely. So, what's my response going to be? My response is going to be, well, if you, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, I can order elsewhere, or I can head that off by ordering from another title company. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. It really depends on how well Fidelity is able to rebuild the trust that we previously had in it. This is a big deal. I can't Very ignore it. Deal. I can't ignore it. Yeah. Joey, you got anything to add with that? <laughs> Man, I like when it comes to that, I obviously the big thing for me is, you know, trust your attorney. I it, I don't want you to lose money. At the end of the day, the attorneys are setting up title on these transactions. Uh, we really just depend on title to get us, you know, their their invoice, the the protection letter, the actual report, so we can see all liens. But I I would prefer, obviously, in these situations, we gotta switch. It's just, I mean, yeah, you you really don't have much of a choice. Um, the longer you yeah, wait, so, the harder it gets, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly the thing. When a problem arises, solve it. Solve it fast. Solve <laughs> it. Like, that's that's it, right? I'll take the blame. I don't care. Obviously, I know it's a title problem. Maybe someone gets mad. I'll just be like, hey, you know what? This is my fault. I don't care. Let's move on. Let's solve it. Um, I would just send them a link the, to, you know, the, the reporting that says, you know, this, uh, was it Black Cat is the, you know, the name of the organization right. that claimed... Uh, responsibility for this um but and whether it's them or not it doesn't really matter right it, you know it doesn't it matter really, who it is yeah. right it, it really doesn't you know the, this is beyond fixing this problem in the short term the the long term is that um 
you know, I don't want to trigger Joey, but the uh, CT, CT, this, that's what we call it here in the business, Chicago Title Fidelity, whatever you want to call it. They're all the same thing, really. Um, Such they're gonna, a bad acronym for them, CTE. Well, it's <laughs> yeah, not, not great. Um, There's but a the, lot of other ways to go there. They're, oh, they're going to have to win back our hearts and minds, um, yeah. you know, as far as uh, that, that trust. I mean, that, that trust has been broken. And, you know, whatever, they need to be the most secure place out there right you know all the money is flowing through these organizations anytime you buy or sell a home it all the money flows through an escrow company and that's that's you know these companies issue title insurance policies and they handle the escrow part of it which it's just a fancy word for they they take all the money in and they pay it out based on what the figures say um, I guess if, that's why I side with Joey, though, right? When now that that trust is broken, if if really truly, let's think about what title does is exactly what you explained. They're taking the money and they're processing the transaction. We can't trust that they can take the money and hold it securely right now. It, I, that's I like that's the correct. base function of. The, so I guess I, I side with Joey. My my recommendation to my clients would be switch title off. Why would mm -hmm. we even wait to see what they have to say at this point? Well, until they can give us a security report that tells me they're in a very secure position. And we have no concerns. And here's exactly what happened. Here's the diagnostics. We've we've closed the loop. What's the upside in waiting for me in the transaction? Because now I don't owe Fidelity anything. No, I don't know Chicago Title anything. My clients need to close. Is that what you're doing now? Uh, it hasn't happened to me yet. But we've had to make okay. a change, thankfully. But I will tell you that I have peers this week who walked into Chicago Title on Monday who didn't tell them that this was happening and just said, you know, we're, we're going to have some delays today, we think, and had clients sitting around all day. That uh, would rub then me went the home wrong way. I, that and would still didn't close, me. right? Th that, and now, now to me, I understand upset. to some yeah. extent, we don't understand, we don't want to panic everybody, let's see if we can figure this out. But also, your obligation is to the consumer. And if you know with a relative degree of confidence that that closing isn't happening that day, why are you wasting everybody's time to show up? And why is the communication so unclear that they, you know, should be making other options. I agree 100%. I could tell you stories, and it's usually the lender, Joey. Um, not you, not you. It, yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to throw you uh, under any buses, but you know there are lenders who are less professional than the VA loan nerd, and you know I've I've had situations where I've I've sat in a closing for six hours, and come to find out there was a problem that we weren't going to be able to solve, and the lender knew about that problem that wasn't going to get solved. Nope, never going to happen. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, sorry, I was triggered. I was absolutely apoplectic that this, you know, and I let him have a piece of my mind. I'm normally pretty, you know, calm, cool, and collected because that's that's what you expect out of a lawyer. But I was like, you cannot do that. You know, and I, I, I hate I hate it when lawyers bring in a, you know, I, you know what I bill out for every hour. It's like, eh, no, you don't. No, you don't. You know, you don't bill out every single hour every day. So no, I'm telling you. But at the same time, my time is valuable. So if if you took and our yeah. clients time is everyone's valuable. time. Everybody yeah. clears their day to make that closing work. They're expecting to transition title. They're expecting to come through. They have movers aligned. They got utilities changing. They got. It's not and insignificant. That was, that was the exact point I made. I said, you wasted my time. You wasted that closer's time. You wasted your customer's time. Yeah. And you know what the problem was on this one? It was such a dumb problem. The appraisal came back, and it had the address as street when it should have been place. Oh. And so the appraiser <laughs> had to come back and replace street with place. And in then order resubmit and re-underwrite. And, and, and they couldn't get a hold of the appraiser. And so meanwhile, we're all sitting, they wouldn't say anything about this. This, this only came through at, at, oh man, just, that's that's my tangent to bring up. But anyway. If the pin ID matched, I would have done that as a prior to delivery <sighs> freaking condition. That's just stupid. Yeah. So, Sorry. That's, well, no, that you're fine. Like you hit it on the, it goes right, it goes right hit, whoa, I said What the wrong. frick is going on with Charlie? Man? I, I don't it. know, but that was not what I meant to say. <laughs> she, you know, hit it on the Forest of the trees, you that, know? Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you are definitely a Starbucks but, uh, all I, The only thing that's going through my head is I don't want to do your job. I don't want to have to look for those little... PL or ST or ABE, I that's very detailed, and I really nah, don't want to get in there, you know, it, out of all those documents. It makes you crazy, and you know, the, the people sitting in this room and and on this podcast, we all get it, and we all handle ourselves in you know the most professional way possible, and you know the we we just go on and on about this every week, about how many people are in this industry, who just don't 
they don't meet the standard. Yeah. They just don't. That's why they come and go so much. Well, and, you know? and, and that's a problem. And, and that, you know, maybe that is the problem that, that needs to be solved is, is that the, the minimum standard is not good enough. And a lot mm -hmm. of people are, aspire to the minimum, minimum standard. It's not good enough. It's well, not good enough. Well, that's a function enough. of, and I'll only speak for real estate agents because that's what I'm licensed in. We have made the minimum standard way too approachable for people to be real estate agents. The bar is so low. And we see it. It didn't catch on at first. They lower the age. They lower some of the testing requirements. But now, a couple years into that change, I deal with it every single day when I'm managing two parts of a transaction because the other party is a speed bump, not an asset. And <laughs> their client has no idea because I'm the clients, that you know, clients only get what they're told. So mm -hmm. on their side, they're being told, oh, we can't close in time because we haven't gotten all the docs we've needed. And on our side, they never made requests or they've never talked to us. We haven't heard from them in two weeks, you yeah. know. And so there's just this miscommunication that can so easily exist with so many parties in a transaction that bad actors can do pretty much nothing the whole time yeah. and we can either work around them and pull off a miracle or it all falls apart and they go well it wasn't my fault you know yeah and that's what i talk about when you talk about them seeing actually you know doing your job you know to and, and to a high standard as as opposed to doing the bare minimum and the result with the bare minimum one will often be the same the house gets sought uh, the house gets sold oh you can close bought. a really bad transaction definitely <laughs> definitely and i have people trying yeah. to close bad transactions on me all the time and then i'm charlie i'm the alarmist in those situations and, and i'm just raising all the red flags and they're going what's why i i want to buy and they want to sell why can't I? And like you can do whatever you want but you know there's a fifty thousand dollar right. problem plus you know that I'm, I'm being um you know modest about it that if you if you want to buy this place as uh, you know at, at, in its current condition, their you get choice fifty thousand dollar problem. Like, why well, don't want to do that? You go well, then we're not closing. We're like, oh, everything yeah. is a choice. I everything try to remind everyone on both sides. Their everything choice, is a though. choice. You can make a choice, and they're and, negotiating with somebody else who has a yep. choice. They so whether you're the choice. buyer or the seller, both of those people have the choice. And, Our, and and you guys correct me. I think our job is to make sure that all the T's are crossed, I's are dotted, and that we educate our clients enough so they make an educated decision. Correct, Definitely. and that's where you draw the line because I think too that's often people fill line. in that definition with our job is to help them make decisions, but they'll make the decision for them. I don't ever tell my no. clients what to do. That's no. never. That's right? what actually infuriates me when I see real estate agents doing that. I will give you the You're data not do this. to You're make not do a decision. That. I will give job. you everything I can tell you that I believe. I'll share experience if it's relevant. I'm getting but mad I am love not for you going right to now, tell Matthew. you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, here's the worst one, you know, to me. So you know, you talk about the one who's gonna, you know, try to, you know, put their thumb on the scale and, and yeah. make someone make yeah. a certain decision and. You know, I, I'm probably guilty of that from time to time where I see just an absolute, you know, massive red flag that is going to dog these people for, you know, years as they own this home. And yeah. I go, eh, if it were me, I wouldn't be doing that. Um, you know, sometimes they take my uh, advice, sometimes they don't. But but the person that, that I'm most scared of in terms of what the outcome for their clients is going to be is the person that goes, hey, you know, it's up to you to make this decision, and that's as far as it goes. You know, they say, how much should I offer for this property? Do you have any advice on it? Well, what do you think? Well, you know, I don't know. You know, what do you know about the market? And it's like, well, you know, they're asking this. You know, what do you think you should offer? Right. And, which yeah, is, but that's his job. That's Matt's job. I know, but oh. I'm saying that that's but there not, are There are several people a, who don't know how to answer that question. You know, that question is probably the one I'm asked the most. What should I offer for this home? I get asked almost every transaction at some how point. How do you answer it? There, so this is where I think you draw the line between a good agent and, and maybe a not-so-great agent, right? When I'm thinking about what you should spend for home, A, is none of my business, and I'm not going to tell you. My job is to tell you what I believe the home is worth considering the fair market value. I will give you a range of values looking at the data that is available that I'm fairly confident the home will appraise for that sale, and I feel matches the data available in the market. You need to have a conversation with your lender that aligns with that so that you understand what you're comfortable spending. And then you and I are going to reconnect. We're going to compare those two numbers. In an ideal world, what you want to spend or what you're comfortable spending will match or be close to what that home is worth. But don't Anything you do that negotiate, before you even show them houses, too? You can't. It's You can't really? do it for every home, in my okay. opinion. Because if I have, pe I have people who send me That's 20 a, homes they want to see, I can't do... <laughs> I can't accurately run 20 comparative analysis and stand behind it just for the sake of time. I just asked Chet. I guess you know. where I was going with, and Joey, help me out here. 
do you you have conversations with the clients as well when they get their and again forgive my ignorance pre-approval or pre-authorization pre-approval. pre-approval thank you joe you have conversations about affordability and and where to you know where to what how much money they should be borrowing do you not Always. The, Always. I mean, the, the most important piece is how much are you comfortable spending every month in your mortgage? Because exactly. no, one's, no, one, no one cares what you bought for. You care about what's coming out of your wallet, out of your bank account every single month because that's where you're going to feel it. Joey says uh, borrow you have to, the max all, every Joey time. Joey does not say that. <laughs> oh, all right, my I'm, gosh, man. You can spend I'm it. Going, Why wouldn't you? I love pushing those buttons. <laughs> nah, I'm the worst. Yeah, yeah. right. It's yeah. a bunch I of I don't malarkey. believe that, Joey. I think you can buy your clients better t- than that. T- t- tell people why what I said is incorrect buying for your max is a great way to hate me next year it's a great way to you know have a small hiccup in life where you take on a new debt because you got injured where you lose income because you got injured and all of a sudden you're like oh cool i'm, I'm now not able to afford my mortgage i i i am going to get foreclosed on or the why did they let me out. do this or you know the fir- the, yeah the the, ba- the the finished basement floods you know right and, you know, the- it turns out that you only like to shop at whole foods because you hate life and you just want to spend your entire paycheck on whole foods rather than your mortgage you know Such a good salad, yeah. no you're talking about my first home right did i ever tell you that story <laughs> did flood out no, it didn't flood out, but the roof leaked, yeah. Mm. You know, so I mortgaged to the max everything yeah. that I had. I borrowed yeah. as much as I could. I put down everything that I had. I had no money left over. I move in, and and the roof starts leaking. You know, I just got married. I go and ask my in-laws for a loan. Just get some cock. So I, oh, my God, you behave. <laughs> I asked my in-laws for a loan. I go, Don't worry, I'll take care of your daughter. And by the way, could I have a few grand to put a new roof on the house? You know, and here I am, some super, well, then it was a concrete guy and a framer, but that's beside the point. But mm-hmm. it does happen. And, yeah. And a lot of people do overextend themselves. Well, yeah. and I think you know? to, your, to your question is, aren't you doing that work up front? We try to advise it, but the reality is most people don't do the real estate transaction in the ideal order. Many times they mm. see the home, they fall in love, and then they're running the numbers in the background. It's not ideal, but it happens all the time. Yeah, and, in our and, area, that happens all the time quite yeah, a bit. And it's just, it's it, part of it is the speed of the market. Part of it is people don't think they're ready, and then they are. They see something they love, and they just, they weren't ready for all the decisions that comes with that. But I, I think really the only way you can ever review things is the data itself, right? And the data is, what can you spend comfortably? That's your affordability. What's it worth in the marketplace? That's running market comparable data. And then the other third one that I do think is relevant is you should look at the median market negotiated price. If things in the area are selling at 98% of list, you making an offer at 20% off is not reasonable. Hmm. Right? Well, that, just that, wasting everybody's time. Could you do it? Absolutely. And if you really want to push on it, I will represent you through that. But I want you to understand it's not statistically reasonable to make that offer. And yeah. I think some of that is client education. T- take know. all of the negotiation books you read with a grain of salt. You know, every negotiation takes on its own uh, flavor. But you know, typically with, with home buying and selling, um, you know, if, if you're going to offer them that, uh, oh, is it, we're, we're, we're setting the, um, I'm going I'm to mess up all the lingo, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna make that 65% offer with the idea that we're gonna you know bump it up to 85 and then 95 and then 100, which is something I read just the other day in a book. Um, ain't gonna work in in real estate because that if you offer 65% of the purchase price to a seller, the sell that seller's gonna hate your guts, and you've just blown it. And there's no way to save it. So yeah, you know just uh, you know I'm I'm using a more extreme example. Um, you know. That that may work, and and when you're buying a car, it's not going to work in a real estate transaction. There's too much motion involved. Um, now, you know, on the flip but, side, you do. I coach sellers that no offer is an insult because you never understand where someone's coming from. Maybe that's the most they can spend, and they just had to put it out there because they want to put it out there, right? But no offer is an insult. It's a disagreement of value, and we can try and get to the middle on that. But they're not insulting you because they're offering less than you want. But so, I think that's where it comes into, you know, both agents on, on both sides of transactions. Have a conversation. Yeah. Get that stuff out there. Right. And, and I think it's fair to say, look, this, I understand this offers low. It is the best my clients can do. Yeah. That's a fair thing to say. It might be rejected and, you know, it will only go so far. But at some point, the reality of the situation is what it is. And, and I just I want to kind of uh, see if I can tie up the, the loose ends on what we've been talking about the last 10 minutes, because 
the point that I wanted to make is that there's the, a big difference between the bare minimum, which will get someone into a bad house more often than not, mm -hmm. and someone that is actually doing uh, is doing this job at a high level. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're if you're bare minimum, going like, hey, you know, you you tell me what you want to offer, and you know, what do you think? Should I offer this? Sure, go ahead and write the offer up, and and that's that. That is so much different than what Matt just described to us in terms of what his process is. This is the high standard that I want the real estate industry to, uh, to, to, to achieve. Thank you. As opposed to the bare minimum, hey, you know, let me just you know, get to the closing table uh, so I can collect my fee. And, you know, hey, if, if the house is a lemon, well, you know what, that's on you, buyer. I, you know, I did my job and, and it closed, didn't it? Well, and I think, uh, and I said this to you at breakfast this morning, I think the data speaks for itself and how this has serviced my clients. If you look at my buy side clients, they're negotiating above the mean for Chicago. They're getting more and saving more on each transaction than most people are. And my sell side clients, same thing. They're making more money and selling in a faster time period than most Chicago sales. And I think that's a result of doing things the right way and how approaching the How can a consumer right find that information, though? Not sure you know, if it's easy, other than if they wanted to aggregate it somewhere. <laughs> you know, what was that? I, that's the home buyers. Yeah, I, 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 I wish more people were lit, was were was. I wish more people listened to this because yeah. this is such important information. And I know I this sounds completely self-serving, and it is. And I'm selfish when I say this, but at the same time, power. It I, absolutely you know, the, does. I, I wish we had a a bigger um, you know place to, to broadcast not, not that there's something wrong with 820 yeah. a.m. I love 820 a.m. you guys are the best but you know just if we had a million people hearing this the you would not take long for the the real estate industry to really you know morph into something that is just more professional well and I think we need accountability on that I I don't think it should be a here, secret here. that you know what my closings are and how the data get is an and, applause for that hey yeah. thank you very much but I, I think that's the basis of it all in this business right I don't hide from the numbers because I think they're a reflection of the good business that's been done so I, I don't think other agents can hide from their numbers and I think it should be easier for consumers to see that stuff you know we've mm -hmm. said it all I, I couldn't man, agree more me neither so man I just want to really go out of my way and say thank you all right and i believe in and passionate people do a good job in real estate you know I, I really do believe there's bad people in our business all right and we try to search for the the good people and anybody who is listening please you know do your homework you want to reach out you want to get contact information we're more than happy to help you but we are running out of time. So quickly, man, I need you to give us your contact information one last time. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to give me a call, my cell phone, direct line, 215-622-4379. Please connect with me on social. It's Matt Thomas Real Estate, and that's M-A-T-T-T, -T -T, three T's in the middle there. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, uh, which is slowly but steadily growing, talking all about Chicago specifically. That one is Matt Thomas Shy. Shy is in Chicago, C-H-I. So uh, please connect, follow. I am always happy to engage on all things real estate. Sounds good. Patrick, please. Patrick Loftus. Loftus Law, real estate lawyer. That's important. Find me on Instagram, Loftus underscore law. Find me on TikTok at Loftus Law. Outstanding. Joey, please. Well, this is Joey Matthews, the VA Loan Nerd. You could find me at the VALoanNerd.com. Across all the social medias as at the VA Loan Nerd or call or text me at 630-235-2405. Sounds good. And we're out of time. I want to give a special thank you to Devin Tingle and WCPT AMA20. And this is Charlie, and I am out. Mm -hmm.